Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. There's been a ton of emotions this morning. You've just heard from Key and Jay and their thoughts in the first three hours. Welcome back to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We're coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. The guys are loving the beats here on ESPN News. If you're watching us on television, quick reminder, LeBron scored 30 with 10 assists, joining Chris Paul as the only players with 30 and 10 dimes in under 30 minutes of a playoff game all time. He pretty much did it in three quarters. Stats Incredible brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. That put Portland on the brink. The Lakers can clean them off and finish them off and advance to the next round tomorrow. LeBron was certainly asked about his performance. Sure, it was great. Three quarters, a 20-point win, no big deal. The scare from Dame time is over. It's game time for the King. But after the game, it was time to talk about real life. Quite frankly, it's just up in our community. And I know people get tired of hearing me say it, but we are scared as black people in America. Black men, black women, black kids, we are, we are terrified. Because you don't know. You have no idea. You have no idea how that cop that day left the house. You don't know if he woke up on the good side of the bed. You don't know if he woke up on the the wrong side of the bed. You don't know if he had an argument at home with a significant other. You know, if one of his kids said something crazy to him and he left the house steaming. Or maybe he just left the house saying that today is going to be the end for one of these black people. That's what it feels like. That was LeBron James after the game last night. And Jay, this is not a one-time situation. I mean, LeBron has been at the forefront of this argument. He's discussed this previously in the bubble, uh, provoked, unprovoked. He's always ready with his opinion. And last night, he really gave it to us strong on the heels of yet another tragic shooting in the country. I'm just starting to feel helpless And we will continue to use our platform. I'm sure LeBron James will continue to use this platform to speak up on all these issues. And we condemn all violence, all violence to people out there that want to have this defense mechanism that kicks in and say, how come you guys don't talk about all issues happening in our country on your platform? Well, I do talk about all issues. And this is a big issue, a really big issue. Key has talked about this and some of the effects it's had on his family. Uh, I've talked about this multiple times. I've been stopped because I've been in a suspicious car. It's something that I grew up with, something that I've had to have conversations with my dad about from the time I've been four or five years old. Imagine that for a second. You know, and I try to find empathetic ways to make people relate to this because people would like to use, you know, the nuances of this by saying, well, here's what his past record was. And I say, well, that doesn't equate to having a death warrant. But imagine being four or five years old and you wearing a sweater or a hoodie walking down the street and your dad saying to you, Hey son, I don't want you wearing that. I just want you to be careful when you wear stuff like that. If you're walking out when it's dusk or when it's, you know, a little bit dark outside, if a cop sees you always make sure that you have your hands out, always make sure that you you don't wear a hoodie. You wear something that looks presentable. I, my mom sends me a text having a conversation this morning. Now you understand son, why we were so worried about you when you go out your friends you know, during the mid hours, you know, sometimes later hours of the day, we get worried about things like that. This is what you grow up with, Key. So mm-hmm. I grew up with every single day. It's a different world. I want people to understand what comes along with that world and things that we see that happened yesterday once again prove how a guy gets shot in the back seven times. Yeah. Seven times. I don't know what he was going to grab for, what the rumors are. We don't have the body cams to show us evidence of that, which is very convenient sometimes. And I'm not saying all cops are bad. 
Um, but there are bad people in the world. And regardless of whatever he was going to reach for, seven times in the back. You know, all cops are not bad, but I can guarantee you if you're a cop and you're not policing your partner, you're bad too. There's no question about that. I think, you know, growing up in, in South Central Los Angeles, which for for you, Z, and, and, and Jay Will, if you don't know South L.A., South Central L.A., it's like the worst part of Brooklyn you can think of mixed with a little bit of the worst part of Harlem, the worst part of New Jersey with a little bit of a Bronx in there mixed with a little bit of Staten Island, the worst parts of that all rolled up into one. And growing up in that environment, I really never, I mean, I was busy playing sports, going to school, trying to just figure out how to help my family get out of the ghetto if I was going to be able to make it in either entertainment or professional sports because those were really the only avenues that I saw myself in that I felt good about. And I didn't really fear the police, even though I thought as a kid, oh, they were cool. They got on uniforms. They're cool. All of these sort of things. As I got older, it was like, okay, cool. I got a little money now. I'm a professional. They're not going to bother me. So when I get pulled over for the first time, because my car might have been better than what they thought should have been in that particular neighborhood, and then they realize, oh, okay, that's Keyshawn Johnson. No problem. We're going to give him a pass. Okay, I let that slide. I get it. I know who I am. But as I gotten older now over the last four years or so, I would say three years, I start to be really worried about what could potentially happen to me or my older son to the point where when I'm walking my dogs, and I said this before, I don't, it, may necessi- it may not even be the police. It could just be a random person that I feel like might do something to me because he can get away with it and they're going to give him a pass. Like, I'm walking my dogs at 4.30 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning because I live in, in New York City or wherever. I got to take them outside. Right. And it's a bunch of cars on the streets. And I'm sitting there saying, I, every literally every day I'm saying to myself, let me hurry up and get this over with so I can get back inside because I don't know. You just don't know. I got an eight-year-old son who's petrified of sirens because he doesn't know if they're coming after us or what the case is because he sees it. Kids are smart nowadays. It's not when we were growing up. Yeah, Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, Zubin Mahenti, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including in three minutes, the greatest documentarian of all time, and Bruce Bowen, lockdown defender to talk NBA at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. I just want to say one thing. Uh, I'm not African-American, and for the large percentage of our audience that's listening, that's not African-American. I want to mention one thing that I've been thinking about since yesterday, since this story happened, this tragic story happened on Sunday. And I'm not speaking for all people, but this is just a different perspective. And hearing you guys, sitting next to you guys for three-plus hours today, I just have four words that I think about when you guys talk. And they all interlock. One is desperation. You are a one-percenter Like you say, LeBron is a one percenter. You're a one percenter, but it doesn't make you any more safe when you walk out. So there's a desperation aspect from desperation to indignation. How does this continue to happen? This shooting and then today being three months to the day where George Floyd took place on Memorial Day from indignation to exasperation. Why is it continuing to happen with no clear answer? And the saddest one of all, and this is just the world in which we live, from exasperation to resignation. The idea that another one is coming, 
at some place, some point, somewhere, and you just have to grip and brace for that moment. I just, I'm not speaking for men or women or whites or Asians, Latinos. You're speaking for people. I'm speaking for humans. For a human being, thank you. Have those four links from desperation to indignation to exasperation to a sad resignation. I wish there was another one there after resignation, but I don't think I can come up with the right thing. You know, it, it, you say, when can it stop? All these sort of things. You know, I, I say, I've been thinking about the same thing for a while. Like, what has to happen? Like, is it, you know, you got videos now, and that was an argument. Oh, we don't, we, we, we didn't see anything. Got video. Like, we're literally looking at the, the video of a man going from one side of the car to the other side of the car with officers following him. You couldn't tackle him. You couldn't do anything. And then I, I always say, well, how can this continue to happen? Do you need to just, every time it happens, throw away the key to make it stop? Take them and lock them up for life? Don't play with it? Don't give them a pass? Is that going to stop it? Like, what is going to stop it? Is it voting for the right uh, uh, politicians to be in whether it's the, 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 the presidents of the United States, the local government, whatever it is to just figure out how to stop it. I mean, what, what, what is it? Because it keeps happening and all we want to do is kind of just brush it under the rug and say, don't talk about it. Talk about sports. Let's stay in your lane. No, no, because it keeps happening in our communities. Like it needs to just stop and people need to just, Take a step back and realize that one day it could potentially happen to you no matter what color you are at all. It may not happen to you directly, but indirectly. It may be a best friend's kid or it may be your niece or your nephew or somebody you've been knowing for a very long time as a friend. Mm -hmm. Until it touches you and gets to you close to home, you'll never know what it feels like. Zubin, all I was saying is that there are two kinds of people in life. Uh, The first person that sees something like that or violence happens Mm -hmm. and decides to sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't happen and move on with their lives. I hope that the people we're talking to choose to be the latter person that I'm about to mention, the person that decides to use their voice or to stand up and fight for what's right. There are a lot of injustices and things that are happening in the world. Let's all stand together for what's right. And you make mention of it. I know that I have different experiences as uh, African-American male than some of my Caucasian friends who are my counterparts, um, not counterparts, some of my friends, but we can all stand for what's right for human beings. Like that, that's easy. We can all stand for what's right. We just need to be collectively together and not be so tribal in our experiences. Anybody that saw that video that think that that was fine, whatever, because he decided to walk away from a command as they, as people like to tweet out, you should obey. Just the word that you use, obey. Like, what? what is this? Like, he's not an animal, man. He's not like, he's human with his kids in the car. Just imagine if one of those bullets would have ricocheted off one of those metal parts in that car of some sort and hit one of those kids. Mm-hmm. Well, you say, oh, it's good for him. He should have listened to the police when they said stop. Like, where, where are people's brains at in this world? Jay mentioned equality for all. That's something Muhammad Ali had espoused for years. There's a huge documentary about him coming next April to PBS. We'll talk about the guy who's putting it together, a guy you might be familiar with. That's coming up in one minute. But first, let's go A to Z. 
All right, we need a little bit of levity here. And so we'll mention that Clemson is ranked number one in the preseason Associated Press poll. But, Jay, as you were saying, right behind him are the Ohio State Buckeyes. So if Dabo and company can get clipped, Ohio State could be our first 0-0 zero zero national champion. As long as they stay undefeated, <laughs> they will be the number one team in the ranking all year long. They're going to have that zero at exactly. The <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Uh, North Dakota State, the three-time defending FCS national champion. Obviously, we're mentioning that's a little tongue-in-cheek there with Ohio State. They'll face Central Arkansas on October 3rd after having its fall season postponed earlier this month. Remember, the entire FCS is basically saying we're not going to do this. The game will serve to showcase their star quarterback, Trey Lance, who Key you may not have heard of, but he's right up there with a lot of people with Lawrence and Fields as one of the top QBs in next no, April's draft. No, I've heard of him. Uh, it's, it's a copycat league, right? I mean, that's what it is. Carson Wentz, now you got Trey. And it's time for the progressive MLB snapshot. Albert Pujols passing A-Rod for second on the all-time RBI list. 2087th run batted in. He's 210 now behind Hammer and Hank Aaron for first. The Babe is officially number two because RBI didn't become an official stat until 1920, and the Babe was also busy pitching. So Yeah, not a Dodger. <laughs> no one cares in L.A. This progressive snapshot is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial is proud to partner with the small business experts at SCORE. Access free online resources to the SCORE Small Business Resilience Hub at SCORE.com. Org. So I mentioned big Muhammad Ali documentary coming April of 2021, and it's being put together by one of the greatest documentarians of all time, appropriate enough, because we're talking about the greatest of all time in Muhammad Ali. That, of course, is Ken Burns. We had an opportunity to speak to Ken, and the first thing I sort of asked him was a lot of eclectic things you've chosen from country music to baseball to the Civil War to Muhammad Ali. How do you pick your subjects? The glib answer is that they choose me. I'm just looking for good stories to tell in American history. And if you tell a good story in American history, it resonates with the with the present because human nature doesn't change. People are fond of saying history repeats itself. It doesn't. But you can find in the past stories about human beings and how they interacted, good, bad, and indifferent, that can really speak directly to the present in a way that isn't necessarily polarizing or divisive, and you can have a, a pretty interesting conversation. And so I find, particularly with all those subjects, that there is a common element. Our country was founded. We know exactly when, July 4th, 1776. We know why, and we have a catechism that begins, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. But the guy who wrote that owned other human beings and set in motion an American narrative that is always struggling, always trying to deal with, been profoundly and wonderfully influenced uh, by African-American contributions. Uh, Every film that I do, I can count on the fingers of one hand out of more than 35 films, um, you know, the ones that didn't deal directly with race, no matter what it was. Country music was suffused with race. And of course, you want to pick topics like Muhammad Ali or earlier films we did on Jackie Robinson or Jack Johnson, because sports is a very interesting way to understand who we are and where we've been. If you think about it, in our baseball series as well, Jackie Robinson's arrival is the first real progress, broad-based progress in civil rights since the Civil War series. I mean, and it occurred not on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, though Jackie refused, you know, 13 years before uh, Rosa Parks, to give up his seat in a military bus. It happened not at a lunch counter. As a little boy, Jackie used to refuse to move when people told him that it was segregated. 
Ken, thanks so much for all your creative work. I am very curious, considering everything happening in our society right now, the delicacy yes. as it relates to racial tension and things being becoming politicized, uh, how imperative do you feel like your work uh, is in order to provide insight on how to deal with the current culture? Oh, what a fantastic question. You know, I have been making films for more than 40 years on the United States, the U.S., but I've also been making films about us. That is the lowercase two-letter plural pronoun, us, and also we and our. All the intimacy of us and all the majesty, the complexity, the contradiction, and the controversy of the U.S. And that's been a great privilege for me, and I think it gives a perspective for today. We're, we're operating under two viruses right now. And let's, let's be really clear. There were three great crises uh, in the American history, the Civil War, uh, the Great Depression, and the Second World War. This the COVID, takes its place up with those four. But it has given us, in a very interesting way, um, the opportunity to address the other major virus, which has been around in our country since 1619, when the first Africans were enslaved and, and brought to the shores of the United States. And that virus is with us. And the death of George Floyd amplified and made real for people who were stuck. I mean, African-Americans worry about going to the convenience store. Now everybody worries about going to the convenience store. African-Americans have always worried about taking a, a jog through unfamiliar towns. Now everybody's worried about that. And I think we have this golden opportunity as we struggle through poor leadership to manage the, the medical pandemic to figure out how to escape the poor leadership that plays to these racial divisions and see that we have an opportunity right now to make some real fundamental progress. People are sitting up and listening for the first time. And that's an important moment not to waste. And we can get distracted by symbols. We can get distracted by lots of different things. But we need to move forward. And a lot of it isn't um, sexy. A lot of it isn't glamorous. It's the sort of day-to-day work of legislation and changing minds and canvassing people and, and, and doing the hard work of political change. So we have, the symbols have been in place, whether it's the murder of George Floyd, uh, whether it's the murder of all the African-Americans, you know, all the names we can say. You know, remember when President Obama choked up when uh, Trayvon Martin was killed. You know, he said, could have been my son. He said, of course it could have been his son. And there's there that's something, if we're going to say we're so exceptional, if we're going to say how great a country we are to ourselves and to the world, then we actually have to prove it. And it's an interesting sort of kind of coalescing of opportunity here. Um, the terrible burden of this pandemic has given us a chance to try to throw off the politics of divisiveness and say, look, you know, we need to address these fundamental things. The thing I learned in all those 40 years, the main thing is that there's only us. There's no them. And whenever anyone tells you there's a them, run in the opposite direction. Wow. Because it's somebody trying to take advantage of divisions between people because it makes them richer, or it makes them more powerful. And that's not the way it works. We have common allies among all Americans. And all of us want the same things uh, for our kids and for our grandkids and, 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 and expect and deserve 
basic human things like decent housing and and good education and healthcare and 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 uh, uh, a justice system that is, as the Supreme Court says, equal under the law. Ken, let's talk about some of the people underneath the umbrella of us, as you articulated. Uh, your upcoming film on Muhammad Ali is going to be incredible. There's no doubt. Obviously, Jackie Robinson. Um, people have made you know, monumental movements in our society. If there was an athlete today that you can do your next movie on, who would that athlete be and why? Well, I think it has to go into the NBA uh, because the NBA has been the most um, – it's got the in, the most interesting culture reflecting the rest of us back to us. I mean, you you could argue for Colin Kaepernick and the unbelievable treatment uh, that he's experienced for expressing. I mean, nobody's just said, look, our First Amendment protects our right to express ourselves any way we want, you know, and it's it protects flag burning. You know, I don't agree with that, but it protects flag burning and it certainly protects someone who wishes to take a knee saying we're not yet done. We're not we haven't arrived at that. But I think in the end, it might be LeBron James because he combines at the top of his profession, not only the the great skills to be the best. But he also has understood as few athletes since Jackie Robinson, maybe uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who we've interviewed uh, for the Muhammad Ali uh, film, um, few athletes who have combined, Jim Brown, who have combined excellence in their chosen field with a willingness to sacrifice whatever that has brought him to express and expose um, a reaction to injustice in the United States. And that's, that means somebody's pushing us forward. So I think I would hope that when I'm 15 years, 20 years out from here, God willing, that a film on LeBron might be something. We're in the history business, so we need you know, 15, 20, 25 years uh, from subjects in order to, we feel, do a, a good job. That is to say, bring the perspective of a historical viewpoint rather than just the kind of grab bag of journalism, you know, just hoping you get it right. Somebody said journalism is the first rough draft of history, which is a great phrase. But I say, yeah, nobody turns in a rough draft. Can't wait. Baseball more than 25 years old, still as timeless as ever. And we'll hope for the same <laughs> for Ali. Ken, thank you so much. My Thanks, pleasure. Ken. Thanks for your excellent questions, gentlemen. And um, uh, stay safe. Still to come, this discussion about pop and the Nets. Could it happen? One of Greg's most legendary defensive players joins us with his thoughts next. How realistic is it? That's on the way. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Let's get straight to it with Bruce Bowen. He joins us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. You can see Keyshawn Johnson, J. Williams, and Zubin Mahenti every morning on ESPN Radio or on ESPN News. We're in our second week. It's great to have Bruce with us. Good morning, Bruce. First thing I guess I got to ask you here, you know Pop as well as anyone. And Pop, there are some rumors. Jay's helped us out throughout the course of the morning that the Nets (laughs) might be interested. Here he is at the age of 71, moving to the densely populated New York City area. Uh, What are you hearing about that, knowing Greg the way you do? Is it feasible? Well, when I first heard it about four months ago, I thought to myself, no, there's no way Pop would want to leave the confines of San Antonio where he's built so much and been able to do so much in this community as well as in the organization and for the game of basketball. But as you continue to hear things, Zubin, you start to understand that maybe there's more life to this than we thought. I was just coming from a perspective of what I thought, but obviously it's it's the right thing to do in Sean Marks being a GM in Brooklyn to go after one of his former coaches as well as him being on the sideline with coach at some time here in San Antonio. Bruce, how many people do you think that are in the market right now for coaching actually have the demeanor and have the clout Ooh. to coach Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Come on, Jay, you understand that when it comes to winning at the highest levels, Keyshawn as well, he had Parcells, you had Coach K at Duke. You need someone that's not trying to be your friend. You need someone who understands the rigors of what you're trying to accomplish, and that's a championship at the highest level. So I'm all in on what Greg Popovich brings to the table, but most importantly, superstars have room to grow. If that wasn't the case, Michael Jordan wouldn't have six championships under Phil Jackson. Kobe Bryant wouldn't have the championships under Phil Jackson. So you need that individual that's going to push, that's going to challenge, and that's going to pat someone on the back. But most importantly, that's not going to try and be their friend. Bruce, being close to the San Antonio Spurs organization, if this is to happen, let's just assume it does, who's next in line? Well, I think you have you have a long list of individuals that have coached here that you can look at. And and also the the most thing that people talk about right now is what Becky Hammond has been able to accomplish on the sideline as far as communicating to a lot of today's youth. I don't think you rule out Becky, but at the same time, there's a long list of guys that you can look at that understand coaching in a small market that understand that there's not a lot of things that are distractions here. So it's so important to make sure to focus on what's at hand. But but you have to understand this, Keyshawn, is that you're not going to come in and replace Greg Popovich. Whoever comes in behind him, they have to understand that it's a process as far as building the culture of what he was able to do for 20-plus seasons. Bruce, take me to the East Coast. Take me to Philly. What is going on in Philadelphia? What are we doing in Philly, does Elton Brand have power? Does he not have power? We let go of Brett Brown. Who's going to be a replacement? We keep in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons together. What's going on in Philly? As, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a situation within the organization because the accountability starts with allowing your coach to have 
the the authority to play his players the way that he sees fit. It's not the player's option whether they want to do things or not. You and Keyshawn both went to big schools, and you all had success at those big schools. But it didn't come easy. You were challenged at that big school. Whereas here it is, Joel Embiid, he doesn't love the game as far as I'm concerned. He loves what the game brings to him. He loves what the game gives to him. And he loves the aspect of social media within the game. But a true player that loves the game, Jay, a true player that loves the game, Key, that guy is going to make sure he does what's necessary in order to be the best that he can be. What did Keyshawn write a book on? Give me the damn ball. That meant, <laughs> hey, I'm doing my work. So here it is. Joel, you want all that comes with the superstar. But are you willing to put in the effort of what's necessary when it comes to you making others better, being accountable? I saw him in the first game of that series, I saw him go plop down on the bench. I knew right then and there. I'm like, oh, here it is. Now, I can go back a little further. When he played against... Horford in the playoffs against Boston. He tried a lazy pass. Now, Jay, you understand you have to fake a pass and make a pass, especially in the playoffs. So that showed me a lot within him. And I got to give this little story because I gave it to Greeny as well. I spoke to the group last year or a year before last when they were here in San Antonio. Brett Brown wanted me to just kind of give them some type of words of encouragement as far as someone who has won a championship. I spoke about accountability. Accountability means stop tweeting and going against what your coach is saying. And because I said that, Joel had a problem with that. So for me, for you to have a problem with someone giving you constructive criticism, I have an issue with that. You are not a leader. You are not a person that's vested in the process, and you don't love the game. Okay, Bruce. So I'm going to substitute you in for Elton Brand. You are managing this team. Say I'm giving you autonomy. What are you doing? What are you doing with this team? You keeping them together? You splitting them apart? No, I'm, I'm going I'm, – I got to build better wing players as far as shooters. I'm going to keep Ben Simmons because I still think there's an upside to him and what he's able to do as far as what the game is today. The game is up and down right now. Now, one thing Joel showed us – we're not talking about his talent. We're talking about his work ethic. And his work ethic has not shown me that he is someone that I can depend on. So I'm moving him. I'm moving him to get other players in that I can kind of build things maybe around what the benefits of what Ben Simmons can do. So, yes, I'm breaking him up because you've shown me, Joel, that you're not worthy of being in this city bringing what's necessary. This is a blue-collar city in Philadelphia. You can't just haphazardly do things. You got to bring it every night. So being that you've shown me, again, you've shown me that you can do this, now it's time for you to look for greener pastures. Hey, Bruce, I heard you were supposed to be a a okay defender. I mean, cool, not great, but just okay. What would you do with Luka if you had to face him right now? How would you defend him? First of all, First of all, I'd have the utmost respect for him because when you have respect for a player, you pay attention to detail. So I understand that he wants that left-hand step back, but that's not all he wants. He's a complete player. So when you talk about a complete player, you have to do the little things, getting a hand up on each and every shot. You can't give him angles to the basket. You have to try to stay in front of him and be a little physical with him. When you're able to be a little physical with a guy, picking him up full court, wearing him down, maybe he doesn't have the legs 
for a deep three quite like he had the other night. You cannot, I repeat, you cannot afford to say, oh, coach, my bad on that one. No, this is the playoffs. This is a player. So you have to do all the little things. And, and Key, when you're doing the little things, yeah, he may make some shots, but he ain't making game winners, baby. He's not making game winners. <laughs> Bruce is the ultimate winner and NBA champion. We'll crown our Look at those killer years. eyes. Look at those eyes. Those <laughs> eyes are scaring me. Y'all can't see I mean, it as viewers. So those on. eyes are scaring me. <laughs> we'll crown a 74th. what it's about, cha- Jay. You know that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Bruce, thank you so much. Really appreciate the insight. Hey, fellas, thank you for having me. And y'all keep doing it. Mm. All right, B. Thanks, B. We were just mentioning the NBA is going to crown a 74th champion, unlike we've ever seen before. The longest wait for a champion, the strangest finish for a champion. You know, Z, I I would love to see the Artestas and the Bruce Bowens, like right now, in their prime, playing against these scores and see what that would look like from a defensive standpoint. I would love to see see Bruce go against go against a guy like LeBron James who actually just said it I got he just said I got half my brain locked in on the playoffs and the other half locked in on how the hell I can help black people become greater in America this is LeBron you saying yeah he just said that but he had 30 and 10 and half his brain and three and 28 minutes and half his brain is locked in on a game of basketball imagine what it would be right we'll see from the next progressive rounds the way he gets locked in but if For him, it's always been bigger than basketball. Bruce was brought to you by 5-Hour Energy. It's road trip season. Get ready with 5-Hour Energy. Still ahead, the father of Jacob Blake with some jaw-dropping news this morning. If you haven't heard about it, we'll have it for you and give you a little context next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Welcome back to the Seaport. If you're watching on ESPN News, a gorgeous shot there of the water. And here we are on Pier 17 with Jay Williams, Keyshawn Johnson of Zubin Mahenti. And before I let you go, you heard it right there. One more thing before we let you go. I kind of honestly wish, even though we do this every morning, there wasn't one extra thing to say about this particular subject. And that is the latest regarding Jacob Blake and what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin on Sunday. I want to guys get your opinion. This according to the Chicago Sun-Times, Jacob Blake's father 
also named Jacob Blake. So if you're following this story throughout the course of the day and you see both of those names, just be aware his father uh, also is named Jacob Blake, told the Chicago Sun-Times that his son is left paralyzed from the waist down after being shot by Kenosha police. He also said he was told that his son was shot eight times. It is being widely reported that he is being shot seven times, and his father is not sure whether he's going to be able to overcome uh, this paralysis, whether he could recover in any way, shape, or form. Jay, that's a lot to think about, but that is the latest, that at this particular point, his father says he is paralyzed. You know, I, I know we live in an age where you're supposed to have some kind of take on everything. Mm-hmm. I just don't have any, I don't have any words. I, I mean, I guess it's, it's still trying to process. I mean, we've been talking about this for four hours and it's, um, I yeah. just, you know, it gets me angry, sad. First and foremost, just hope he's okay. Hoping yeah. his family are okay. You know, I think about that right there. You got to think about the kids, being able to play with your kids, being able to do things, throw balls, run, play basketball, move around without help, teach them, help them with homework and things of that nature. That was potentially just taken away from them and him by a police officer that decided to just, I got a license to kill if I choose to do so, and I don't give a damn if people see We should mention that there are plenty of uh, prominent white sports figures in the state of Wisconsin, including Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, the Brewers manager, a guy named Craig Council, played a big role in the World Series a little over 20 years ago. Guys that have done some major, major things. Uh, This is obviously not a black-white issue, but it is notable that LeBron has spoken out. Paul uh, George Hill has spoken out about the bubble in and of itself and what the players are doing. But you see this cross lines. I mean, I remember Aaron Rodgers, Key, if I'm not mistaken, he was one of the first people to come out when the tide started to turn for Colin Kaepernick earlier this year and said, we were wrong. When Goodell said it, Rodgers was one of the strongest players and using his platform as a prominent player to be forthright then, and he's pretty forthright now. It says a lot when a lot of these people are really... Mike Budenholzer, the Bucks coach they played yesterday, uh, just another example. But the, the people that's, that's speaking out, like you mentioned, Matt LaFleur, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, the... the, the, the um, coach Bud. But you, you mentioned these people. Yeah. They're around black people every day the in the community. They, mm-hmm. they get it. They see it. They're not afraid. Okay? And, and that's the bottom line. When you have people that are afraid for whatever reasons, they feel a certain way. For all those idiots on social media that continue to keep saying what they're saying about he should have, you know, listened to the commands or he shouldn't have did this or he shouldn't have did that. Whatever. How about that dude shouldn't have put eight slugs in his back? Like, come on. His father did say, Jay, that um, the police put eight holes in my son. That's the word he used, eight holes. You know, every time I I hold my daughter, who's about to turn two in October, when I go up the stairs, you know, obviously, look, I, I got like one leg pretty much, okay? Got my right leg. My left leg is a lot smaller, a lot of atrophy uh, from my accident. And I'm always in pain every time I go up and down the stairs, Kier, when I run or I play with her. But you know what always helps me get through that pain? That I'm actually doing that with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, my brain goes back to the space like, he's never going to be able to do those things with his boys. No. Run around, throw the football, go in the backyard, sprint, have fun. He's still here. It's a blessing. It's, I just emotionally 
makes it so difficult. And to to look at the situation, obviously everything is is still being investigated, whatever the case may be. Right. But no body cams, no tasering, none, none of that. And we're supposed to just keep sitting here and keep accepting these situations. And if you go back to the George Floyd situation, that was a breaking point where our community as blacks, we got tired of it. Not only us. Z, I was on the West Coast and seeing whites in Utah and Wyoming and areas on the West Coast that when the Rodney King situation happened, you didn't, they, everybody go back in their house and y'all tear up y'all own neighborhoods. Yeah. But white people got tired of it too. And now here we are several months later. Right. Three months to the day, George Floyd. Three months to the day, getting ready to go through the same stuff again. The same stuff. And and you you just would think, man, you would think that what happened down in Georgia would wake people up. What happened in Louisville would wake people up and just slow it down, but apparently not. Apparently they still feel that they have free will to use firearms and do what they choose to do, and nothing's going to happen to them, but they're going to get suspended for a few days, and everybody will go, oh, okay, see, and go on about their business. Half minute to go, Jay. What do you have here? I don't have any more words, man. Ahmaud Not right Arbery. now. I, I, I just push for legislation now. Yeah. Ahmad Arbery was in Georgia. His key reference, Breonna Taylor, no-knock warrant in Louisville. George Floyd in Minneapolis. And this gentleman in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Heavy day. A lot of discussion. We're not sticking to sports. When it transcends, we'll do it too. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Eastern. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.